this is the second half of episode zero of Adventure They Wrote. And we're picking up directly after the newly minted Waterdeep Detective Agency has discovered that the one-eyed thief likes to frequent Chilton meat pie stands near the gates to the dock ward of the city. He is their link to the missing comb and accompanying jewels. And upon the successful retrieval of both of those items, they'll be well on their way to success in the world of private investigation in Waterdeep. We now rejoin Episode Zero in progress. So you guys get to the South Gate. Um, this is a this is the busiest area of the South. There's a pretty steady stream of wagons entering the city. They're laden with everything from like local farm goods to uh, you know more exotic trade from across Faerun, uh, and to meet all these. Uh, traders and, and vendors is a steady stream of uh, hawkers along the side of the road, selling them everything from uh, refreshing drinks to, uh, you know, ribbons and knickknacks and uh, a handful of schultish meat pies as the more exotic fare. So, yes, how would you like to proceed? Since it's all kind of in the same little area, go meat pie vendor and ask mm-hmm. if they have a regular that fits our thief's description. I would agree. Sounds reasonable. Okay, so let's we can make this easier. We'll just say there are five Schultish meat pie vendors, which has was totally planned from the beginning. <laughs> and, <laughs> And Wildly convenient. You guys splitting the group up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what I want each of you to do is determine the method in which you are going to approach your meat pie vendor and what role you'll be using to determine your success. Uh, Brad, I want you to go first. What is your plan to get the information from the meat pie vendors? Uh, Doran is going to just walk up to the meat pie vendor. Uh, look at his wares. Hello, friend. What, what, are you, what are you making there? The Cholton is uh, frying up some pieces of strangely red stringy meat and depositing them into a kind of pre-baked pie crust. Can Doran make a nature check to determine the meat type? Yes, he can. I've been rolling super good, by the way. <laughs> 23. You are most certainly aware of what this meat type is, and it is dinosaur. You know there are like some big lizards uh, in your area, and you've heard of these, but you've never seen one. So Doran's just going to try to incorporate that into his like befriending tactic. Ah, dinosaur meat. It looks good. Yeah, the, the man behind the stand uh, basically says, yes, it's pie. You want well, I, I just wanted to learn more about the pie, that's all. Yes, you want pie? Uh, yeah, I'd like a pie. Uh, he tells you that it's 10 copper pieces. All right, Dorn will buy a pie. Great. He's going to try to re-engage with the vendor, which who I'm assuming probably immediately looks the other way. He's, he's looking at you very expectantly uh, to see what you think of his pie. All right, how does it taste? How do you think a dinosaur would taste? If it's cooked right and seasoned, pretty good. So I actually, I, I am speaking with some experience 
because we just recently got back from Lean where I had alligator. So good. It was terrible. <laughs> Shut your mouth, Jason. <laughs> Brad, it is essentially like chewing a mouthful of gamey rubber bands. Oh, boy. Well, I had said in my plan I was not good at deception, but here we go. <laughs> it's so good. Oh. Seven. <laughs> he he knows, but he kind of like not. He's like, yeah, it's not for everyone. How tall is this stand? Can I lean into it? Can yeah, absolutely. Imagine like a hot dog cart. It's basically that, except instead of a big like plastic umbrella, there's a bunch of feathers. Uh, it's like a giant feather umbrella kind of thing above and like palm fronds and that sort of thing. Doran's 3'5", so he might not be able to lean over it. He'll walk around and kind of get the guy's attention to come closer. Ah, yeah. And then with five silver, he'll ask, uh, I'm looking for a guy with uh, one eye. Have you seen him? He buys pies. So good. Yeah, Brad, he, he sort of shrugs a little bit. He says, uh, you know, he has a, a fair number of customers, uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't ring a bell. All right. But he, he sort of like, he's, he acknowledges how gracious your, I don't want to say bribe, I think bribe is like too aggressive a term, right? But he offers you an additional meat as sort of like a goodwill gesture. I will take that pie and walk away before eating it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Cat, <laughs> uh, how does the Countess handle her meat pie vendor uh, the countess approaches the the vendor um at his cart and she's decided that she's going to go the route of um being in uh, an investor and says to him um oh my dear um i was sent here by by one of your clientele i do believe um he has stated all sorts of lovely things about your your business, um, and I should like to invest. Uh, the vendor says, yes, you want pie? No, no, dear. I want all of the pies. Do you understand? Um, there's a chap with um, um, one eye. Is is he a client of yours? He. So the, the vendor looks down at his cart, and kind of, he opens a door on the top, and you hear like, you hear something thrashing around inside, screeching noises, not human noises, but some sort of animal. Mm-hmm. He, he says, you want all pie? Yes, yes, but I, you must understand, I'm trying to clarify that this is the correct uh, meat pie shop. Um, do you have a, a someone who comes here and he has one eye and she just puts a hand over one of her eyes to sort of like mime what she's talking about a, a man one eye yes he says uh he says yes all pies and he pulls out like a long it's like a short spear but it like even shorter than a short spear and just starts stabbing into <laughs> the the stall as viciously as he possibly oh can over and over and over again until the noises from inside stop. Oh, 
And then he takes a knife, a kitchen knife, out of his sort of apron. And he says, yes, all pies. And he starts, he reaches in with both arms and starts kind of chopping and pulling out, like, cuts of meat that he throws on the grill. <laughs> all right. Uh, she will pay for all of the pies. Uh, the Countess will pay for all of the pies. However, she's still going to attempt to... Um, ascertain whether or not this uh there was a there was a man with one eye that that has come here uh he he explains that uh that doesn't sound like any of his regulars uh and then he holds out uh the first pie for you the countess is going to take the pies and sort of portion them out amongst people who look hungry that's awesome uh (laughs) Some of them actually do take them and eat them. Others look like look at you like you're insane. <laughs> the ones who are thankful, um, I think the countess is going to say, "I'm looking to invest in this. What, what do you What do you think? Is this the best meat pie here?" That is. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, most of them. Most of the people actually take them. Look like they're not quite starving, but in a couple of days. They- Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them, one of them is kind of a young who it looks like he has some sort of really difficult job. He's calloused and and he scarfs down the pie, and he says uh, he responds that no, if you if you want, uh, you need to go to Mickey. Mickey has the best chultish pies in Waterdeep. And where should I find this Mickey person? Uh, he gives you directions to the stand that is the closest to the gate, and that is the stand that Jason is is currently at, uh, talking with the meat pie vendor. There. Last question, my young chap. Um, have you noticed um, a one-eyed man um, purchasing um, the the meat pies from from that stand as well. He says no. He doesn't. He can't afford to eat them often, but he's never seen anyone. Over. Well, she'll give him a second pie and then uh, cast message and um, and let Max know um, that she thinks that he's he's at the the correct vendor. Gilly, how does Gilly approach his meat? The meat pie vendor and his whole deal is since he works for Waterdeep Underpress. Um, he's actually going to take on the role of a food critic. He's uh, going to approach the meat pie vendor, and basically his whole deal is he wants to let him know that he's reviewing all of the Chultish meat pie vendors for a food column in an uh, uh, upcoming issue of the Waterdeep Underpress. Awesome. That's a great idea. Gilly says, hey, how's it going? Uh uh, Gilly, good night. Uh, Waterdeep Underpress. Uh, so we're looking to write a food column, and uh, I hear these Chultish meat pies are the thing right now. You know, trying to kind of check them all out and see which ones are best. So if I can have your, you know, your freshest and hottest, I mention you uh, in my article. The vendor throws together a pie for you. And he says, uh, yes, pie, 10 copper pieces. I, I, yeah, I think I got that here. Gilly kind of searches through his pockets, and he's like, I got one silver. Will that be all right? He takes the silver piece. Oh, man, I was here. I was hoping that Gilly was going to get a little bit of extra money back. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay, he makes the proper change, which is nothing. I take the meat pie from him and I say to him, so uh, what makes yours the best? Uh, the vendor says, yes, uh, uh, good meat. Meat is straight from Cholt. From Cholt, you say? Hmm. Is it fresh then? He, he shrugs. You know, the proof is in the pie, as they say. So let me go ahead and give this a try. Your immediate impression is that the meat is not fresh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I take a couple of bites and then I kind of set it aside and I say to him, you know, I'm a food critic, so I got to hit up all the pie vendors so I don't want to fill up on just one pie. I was going to ask you something, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, we've been um, we had another critic come by here not that long ago. Uh, We were going to interview him, too, and uh, get his take on the on the whole Chilton meat pie craze guy with a one eye you know um you seen him around he's kind of wiry uh he shrugs again uh, it's basically the same shrug the meat was fresh um but he says no he that doesn't sound like his customers uh all of his customers have both of their eyes oh, all of them do all right do you know uh do you know any uh these vendors that might uh that might you know have a preference for an eye gentleman <laughs> <laughs> that sounds I don't know. <laughs> You're like, does one of them like only have half of their signs up? <laughs> or I only sell to one eyed men. Yeah, the signs are much more. <laughs> Gilly has Gilly has in his life as a newsmonger for uh for the Waterdeep Underpress, which is a which is a pretty sensationalist and uh kind of weird counterculture paper, has seen a lot of weird stuff in there. <laughs> so you know, he's he's just kind of taken that angle because he's seen weirder things uh, come through uh, from the news desk. Yeah, this guy can't think of anything that would be like that. Well, have a good day. I will give your give your meat pie a mention. But uh, he, uh, yeah, we'll see you around. He shrugs again. Gilly is just going to kind of, you know, kind of wander off to one of the other uh, one of the other members of the party to, to see where they're at. So whomever else is closest. Sure. Uh, so Max is going to take, much like Dorn, the, the more straightforward approach. And uh, so I'm going to go up and order a meat pie. Like, uh, So tell me a little bit about your meat pies. I understand that this is Chulton dinosaur meat. Uh, the vendor says, yes, his meat. Is it, is it good? Yes, very good. You buy I, I buy how much for your pie? 15 copper pieces. 15. Everywhere else is 10. <laughs> meat pie. This best chopped meat pie. Uh, how about this? I give you two silver and I get to ask you a question after I eat. Meat is fresh, I promise. Okay. Give me two silver. Okay. Take my pie. Okay. Eat my pie. Jason, the player. Likes Gator. <laughs> it's one of the places I eat most often at the Bite of Seattle. Is the uh, the place that has alligator on a stick. So I enjoy. Max enjoys the pie. Being is gobbled. it fresh though? Yeah, yeah. A, a goblin will eat anything. A goblin. <laughs> a goblin. A goblin doesn't fresh. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna say, all right, for my for my five extra copper. I'm looking for a friend of mine who needs help. He's tall, he's human, 
has one eye. Do you know, have you seen him lately? He says no. He's like both eyes. Both eyes. All both right. Eyes. Um, cool. Thanks. Uh, and I would like to look at the wrapper to see if the wrappers of these meat pies match what we saw in the hovel. They do not. Okay. Uh, all right. Then I will toddle off. Tell you. All right. Celine is going to walk up to the last vendor. Um, ugh, what is that smell? What, what's in this stuff? And while she's walking around him, she's going to try to investigate things in his, she's going to actually like circle him and investigate things around him as he's responding to her. Yeah. So the, the guy managed to stall like, he's like a, like 15, 16, like acne. He's like, <laughs> Uh, I think it's like dinosaur meat or something. Uh, that doesn't sound very good. It's you not. Get, <laughs> do you get a lot of business? Yeah, I guess. Um. All right. Well, uh, I think I'm gonna pass on the pie. But have you seen anyone lately that has one eye? He's kind of wiry, human. He's like, I don't know. How often are you here? Um, most days, I guess. All right. Uh, you have a great day, sir. And then she's just going to keep, like, walking around him and, like, picking through his stuff since he's not really paying attention to her to see if she can find any wrappers or anything similar to what they saw in the hovel. So the wrappers do look similar to the ones that you've. All right. So she's just going to take one and then bring it back to the party and explain that uh, this kid has no idea what's going on. So roll a sleight of hand, uh, but with. It's a three. Okay. <laughs> I just grab it. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. Give that back. And I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> you are now all back together. And you download each other on the information that you got. <laughs> Jason, you're a little ticked off that Kat gave away dozens of these pies. <laughs> can't appreciate them. Oh, yeah. man. Dinosaur meat. Who knew? So yeah. good. Oh, that's the one I want to write about in that article, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, that weird tang of quasi-fresh meat. Just, oh, man, it just lingers on the tongue. It's so good. It lingers on the tongue. Oh. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a bit chewy, though, Doran says. <laughs> maybe, maybe yours was. Uh, mine was. Max's was fantastic. Well, uh, here, I got a spare. <laughs> the extra one. Max eats it gladly. Should we stake out this uh, teenager's stand? See if we can uh, catch our, our buddy as he comes to eat his food. Or we could try the other lead with the, um, the organic smoking stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Or both, 
if we split the party. Not in the first game. <laughs> when we get into the real campaign, we can split the party into two groups, no more than two. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like we have um, at least an idea that, you know, we know that he frequents a specific. So, I mean, at that point, we can pretty much, you know, conduct a stakeout at least, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable. The other place when we already have, a, you know, He's got to eat, right? And apparently mm-hmm. he loves the heck out of meat pies, so. <laughs> well, and we can talk to the patrons of that specific want, uh, vendor and see if anybody else has seen him since the vendor himself is really unhelpful. Um, okay, so stakeout on the, on the cart? Yeah. Great. Uh, what I want to do, I think, is, Jason, I want you to roll a stealth check. And this is going to be kind of a modified stealth check because you're actually sort of positioning the entire party. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you're going to have advantage on stealth check because everyone is already kind of citizens of Waterdeep. Uh, that's a 23? Yeah, I think that's good. So Chris is like pretending to sell papers or selling papers. Um, and everyone else seems pretty good. Uh, you actually stake it out for basically uh, over a day. Uh, you're there until the shop guy closes down, uh, and then you're there the next morning when he comes up. Um, and uh, it is uh, early afternoon that you see a man approach the stall uh, and buy a choltish meat pie, and um, he doesn't have one eye, but he does have his hood pulled up over his face, so you can't tell uh, if he's a a one-eyed man or not. What I want to do is I want to go ahead and uh, once we kind of notice that this suspicious-looking person approaches the meat pie stand, um, I'm going to try to position myself so that um, I'm in a good place, kind of cut off one of the most obvious escape routes. Okay. Cat, what does the Countess do? The Countess, I think, has, because she clearly doesn't blend in, uh, she's just playing up the fact that she's a tourist in, in Waterdeep. And she's going to go up to this vendor um, and buy a meat pie and attempt to have a conversation with the hooded figure. Uh, as you approach the vendor, um, this guy seems kind of not necessarily in awe of you, but definitely very nervous about your presence. Um, he sort of shies away and um, ignores uh, any comment directed at him uh, as if uh, he just wants to get out of there as soon as possible. He's very anxiously awaiting the vendor uh, completing his meat pie treat. She's going to try to persuade him to to calm down. Uh, she'll just say, Oh, darling, don't don't worry. I don't bite except meat pies, of course. <laughs> okay, go ahead and roll a persuasion. <laughs> She's not good. Um, she got a five. <laughs> not very persuasive. As soon as the vendor uh, sort of proffers the meat pie, he snatches it and like scurries, starts to scurry away. Um, as he's scurrying away, uh, I want the countess to to do the thing where she's she's just like trying to reassure him and touching his hood and as he walks away 
pull the hood back. Like his momentum sort of pulls the hood back. I like it. Uh, roll a sleight of hand for me. 13. Yeah, I think that's enough. You you absolutely do. Uh, it pulls back enough that the rest of the group can see he is wearing an eye patch. Um, and by all, he's a human. Basically, he meets all the criteria that you've gotten, uh, that this is the guy that you're looking for. The second the hood kind of hits his forehead, uh, he reaches up and he snaps it and he jerks it forward and just like doesn't quite sprint, but as quickly as someone can walk through a crowd while not attracting a tremendous amount of attention, <laughs> uh, he starts moving through the crowd that fast trying to get away. All right. Are any of us close to him as he's walking away? Yeah. So this area, like I mentioned, one long street. Uh, you guys are kind of across the street from him, um, but you can you can see where he's headed uh, and where he's going. And he also is the only person in the crowd with full hood and and that kind of treatment. So it's you're not at any risk of losing him. I just was wondering if Gilly was in a position where he was like able to cut him off as he was kind of, you know, back and kind of trying to trying to basically find a route that he might try to to flee. Yeah, you mentioned before how you sort of were looking to kind of cut off the method of escape. Um, so you're you're positioned in front of an alleyway uh, that he could duck into. Um, but he is uh, he's heading he's heading down the street towards you right now, but he's not making any move to head towards that alleyway at all. Gilly's just going to go ahead and uh, try to him, but stay kind of, you know, further down, uh, down street of him. Oh, you know, I can kind of adjust uh, if he zigs, I can, I can zig with him. Okay. Uh, So not engaging him, but staying with him. So you see where he's going. Yeah, I do want to keep an eye on where he's going. Gilly wants to kind of just keep him in, keep him in a visual on him at all times. Um, if he's not, it sounds like he's moving pretty fast, so it's unlikely that I'd be able to stealth. Um, but yeah. uh, but it, you know, I'll use I'll use the natural cover of the crowd to my advantage too, because I can hide behind you know medium or uh, larger creatures pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. How is Doran going to react? Yeah, he was posing as a bum, a uh, homeless guy, because that's he looks like one right now, and that's how he's been living anyways. Um, just towards the entrance, like closer towards the entrance, but still within view of the stand. And so when the hood comes off, he's going to do the same thing Gilly did and just use his short stature to go through the crowd mirroring him until he leaves the market. Great. Max? So I have an idea and I want to, I want to get with Max has an idea and I want to get with the countess and I want to see if the countess can cast message and let our Mark know, Hey, Doggart is after you. We're here to protect you. Let us help you. You can respond to this message. Yes. The countess will do that. And, um, I think, uh, I think as he, as he left, she wanted to follow him as well because, uh, if, if the message didn't work, she had something else in mind. Okay. My question now is, would Jason roll a persuasion check because he drafted the message, or would Kat roll it because she's sending it? Oh. Well, it's got to be the sender. 
It's yeah. gotta be. Yeah, it's gotta be the center. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cat, roll your persuasion check. Please be better than the last one. Please be better than the last one. How's a nine? <laughs> a nine is better than Jason's one. <laughs> I think on a natural one on a mess comes through his fart sound. <laughs> is it a contested roll or is it a uh, 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 DC? I think it would be a DC. It's not con- like, because he's not fighting the message. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, <laughs> at least then there's an, an opportunity for him to roll. Yeah. <laughs> a nine is tough. I think a nine is too low. Yeah. I think a nine is too That's low. Fair. Yeah. He, yeah, he looks around. He looks like he wants help. He looks, he's a desperate guy. He, I mean, he's been there and seen what Doggart has done. So he just takes off running uh, away from you guys. So Selena's going to come up next to him and she is going to cast a spell. She's going to do charm person. And for Celine to cast spells, she has to sing. So she's going to look at him, look deep into his eyes and sing. And then she's going to try to cast charm person on him. So he fails his wisdom saving throw. And you have charmed him. He is now charmed. Hello, friend. Why are you in such a hurry? He says, uh, I have to get away from Doggart. If he catches me, he's going to put my insides on my outsides. Oh, that old scoundrel. Ah, don't worry about him. Uh, I've got a few friends that can uh, keep you safe, if you know what I mean. Uh, he definitely looks more relaxed. so uh why don't you come with me and uh we see what we can do to help you out uh yeah he seems he seems willing to go with you uh um he's not as nervous as he was before uh and he he believes that you can protect him all right so i'm gonna wrap my tail around his and i'm gonna walk him back towards the group (laughs) Max kind of motions toward the alley uh, where Gilly and uh, Doran are and um, take him with him in there. Take him in there. So I, I lead him into the alley. I cannot be much taller than they are. So I just kind of bring him in and I say, hey, friends, uh, we've got this fellow. He's in a little bit of trouble with Doggart, but uh, I told him not to worry about it. Yeah, he, he looks around at you. He still seems he's a little scared. Um, but he says, uh, he goes, yeah, I've just, I've got to get rid of this stuff. I got to get out of here. I, you know, I need to get out of the city. Dogger is, uh, if he catches me, he's going to kill me. Max is going to look and say, how much is it going to take to get you out of time? He says, uh, that some of the, some of the guys in the, uh, military with, are stationed up at Neverwinter right now. And uh, they could probably get him a job if he can just get on a boat and get up there. That's all he wants to do. Max kind of looks at him, looks around, and makes sure that there's... I want to make sure that there's nobody else with us before I start getting into details. Can I make a perception? Yeah, roll a perception check. And uh, while he's doing that, Selena's just going to start stroking his head with her tail to keep him calm. (laughs) Perception for Max. 23 perception is great. 
Um, there's no one else in the alley with you, um, but you do notice someone kind of on the street sort of looking into the alley uh, uh, with slightly more interest than you're comfortable with. Um, Max is going to look at Gilly and say, hey, Gilly, will you... Uh... I, I'm on it, Max. I'm on it. Disengage from the rest of the group and go out to the front of the alley. Doran will go sit at the other end of the alley and uh, sit down on the floor looking like he's just a homeless guy, but looking out for people coming the other way. Um, the Countess is going to put a soothing hand on um, on the man and um, and she's just going to uh, whisper a, a prayer and give him a blessing of the trickster. So that gives him advantage on uh, stealth checks for an hour. So uh, Gilly's going to head out. Uh, Fletch, do I, what, what do I see like when I'm looking at this looky-loo? Um, the looky-loo, when he sees you coming out of the alleyway, uh, he kind of he tucks his hands into his pockets and uh, starts whistling and like walking away. Gilly's going to post himself at the end of that alley uh, as well. Uh, I'm just going to kind of be leaning it against the side of the alley, you know, uh, twirling my cane. All right. So Max is going to ask, all right, man, first of all, what, what's your name? My name is Lazik. Lazik. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh my God. So last name I surgery. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you guys? I was so happy with myself for naming the guy Lazik. I was so after happy. eye surgery. <laughs> Love it. You you got out of one eye. He got the group on <laughs> half off. The <laughs> naming casualty is here. <laughs> <laughs> all right look i've been hired to find this chest especially the comb i want to take it off your hands we want to get you on a boat and get you to neverwinter so let's make a deal you give us the chest we get you out of town does that sound good yeah 100 percent. you put me on a boat to never you can have it. It's all yours. It's clearly not on your person. Uh, is it nearby? I hid it at my place. We just need to get back there. The tent in Skid Row? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There was nothing there when we went there before. He says, trust me, it's still there. Okay. Do you want to go back to your or do you want us to get it for you after we get you on a boat? Uh, he says, I don't think you can get it without me. I'll go back with you. You guys just keep me safe. How long does Charm Person work? One hour. One hour. Uh, does it have negative side effects when it wears off? He will know he was charmed at the end of the okay. duration. Just to, so that we have all of our cards on the table, uh, Max says, you're currently under a spell to make you a little less jumpy so you're aware. But I want to give you my word as an investigator that if you can get us the chest, we can get you on a boat. Yeah, he seems okay with that. 
This is the best chance he's had in the past couple. Um, then uh, I will uh, I'll make eyes at both Dorn and Gilly on either end of the alley and uh, give the let's uh, posse up and head to Skid Row. So I'm going to keep my tail around him. Sure. Um, okay, so yeah, you get back to his hovel. No one has attacked you or anything on your way there. Um, so now you're you're back there. What's your next move? Max wants to make perception checks on, on as, as many perception checks as I need. Are there any tall buildings in the vicinity? No, this is uh, it's like a tent city almost. Um, the tallest build, like nothing is over story uh, in the nearby area. There are a couple warehouses further down the road. Um, but they're a couple blocks away at least. Uh, yeah, why don't we have everyone roll perception check? Doran got a four. The Countess got a natural 20 plus three. Celine got a five. Gilly got a 19. Okay, so, um, Gilly and Countess, uh, you do see, uh, especially it's, it's not until you get towards the hovel area um, but someone definitely uh, looks like they are following you in, um, but not making any moves. Far away are they? They're staying about a block and a half. So they're clearly tailing us. Yeah. Uh, clothing are they wearing? What do they kind of look like to us? Um, they look like standard citizens of Waterdeep, uh, if not, you know, lower poverty line citizens, um, kind of old tunics and and pants uh not that no armor um but uh they do have kind of the the requisite like sword and uh knife uh, at their belts my fear is that they're gonna rabbit as soon as we have what we need i think we need to throw them off yeah yeah Ooh, how tall is our friend here lasik uh lasik is like six nine Oh, very tall. All right. Can't do that then. Yeah, I'm going to look short next to him. We could all stand on each other's shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) 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 A gnome, a halfling, and a goblin walking far. You need a big overcoat that you can put over all three of you. (laughs) So it's just three of us. Very unassuming. Yeah. Actually, um, all right. So the Countess has uh, the ability to to disguise self, um, and she can seem up to a foot shorter or taller. So she's going to suggest that we duck in somewhere, uh, do a little change of outfits, and um, and then she'll she'll be escorted by some of the group elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can duck into the tent. You can disguise yourself. Uh, give you a package of roughly the same size. Mm-hmm. You first, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, draw them off, and the rest of us head back to the agency. Mm-hmm. So Celine will come with you because she's walking right now and continue yes, with you, with your tail wrapped around. Um... Wrapped around the Countess the same way that you have it wrapped around LASIK. Yep. Yep. That sounds great. Awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you, you get into the hovel. 
and Lazik reaches over and peels up the disgusting hay bedspread thing, and it comes up with like a <laughs> and like little bugs scurry out from the sides, uh, and underneath it looks like a really uh, basic normal earth, just hard packed dirt. Uh, but he kind of jabs a dagger into it and, and ties up uh, a very well-concealed kind of like hidden door thing. And resting in there is like roughly the size of a volleyball, uh, like a coffer uh, that looks like it came out of a very stately manner. Uh, and he does, he hands it over without even giving it a second. Perfect. I'm going to pop it open. Max wants to pop it open and uh, make sure that everything is accounted for. If there looks to be a gem of uh, enough value to book him passage, I want to make sure that that gets pressed into his hand. Uh, yeah, there's actually like a, a nice size to be in there. Travel to Neverwinter plus something to get him started when he got there. And the Did Countess is going to suggest that we dump the contents into into a, a, a sack of some sort and I'll take the the chest, yeah. the empty chest and, and make a show of it. I have extra clothes too, so we can disguise him with some extra things to make sure he's less visible. Mm-hmm. We should plan a place to meet. I mean, at the, at the risk of, of kind of petering out at the end of the plan, Wallace. Like I had anticipated that being sort of like the fight, but I think it's too <laughs> it's too elegant and like brilliant a solution to not work. It just makes too much sense. This is why I think noir is going to work really well in dungeon. Mm-hmm. There are like spells, disguise self. Yeah, it's great. You're able it's to. It's going to get away, but aren't aren't the ladies going to get attacked soon afterwards? I don't think so. I don't think they are because I guess Talia is still a half demon creature. Yeah, I do have a costume though. I could put it on. If they're seen walking away with what's expected to be the prize, then those guys will report that and they'll send thugs to kill them and steal it. What I'm thinking is that they they dart, and I'm the DM, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't do this, but in my head, like they dart into a. a or something like that, and Cat drops the spell and Talia yeah. throws the costume, and then two exactly. people leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe there's a grudge, and that could come back later. That'd be great, right? <laughs> you guys, fair enough. I think the solution to the immediate problem is too great not to <laughs> work. Uh, I think the Countess is going to suggest that we meet back up at the bar where all of this originated. It goes full circle. We we end where we began. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as we kind of wrap up, the 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 fun twist at the end of this is that the coffer of jewels that you're able to that you you received is your reward, right? Because going back to the very beginning, the idea was your mission was to if you found the comb, which was the family heirloom, you got to keep the rest of the jewels mm-hmm. that were there. Cat, with your uh, practiced eye and sort of advanced knowledge of nobility, mm-hmm. 
um, you realize that uh, one of the gems in there in particular wasn't a jet uh, the way it had sort of been portrayed in the, the list of goods missing. It's actually a black sapphire, uh, which is a gem worth uh, around 5,000 gold pieces uh, at a basic level. The stash in front of you isn't just enough to, you know, keep you going for a little while. This is enough to somewhere <laughs> and, you know, signage and, and marketing material. <laughs> you, can, you can buy some, some spots in the uh, paper. Um, uh, Gilly, you want to give me a discount? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, know, I know a guy that does the marketing. <laughs> yeah, you can get the word out. So, I think is there a bath there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the end of the first session. Yay! We, we did it. it. We did it. Cool. We uh, did it. Yay! We did it. We played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. we, played, we, played, we played Satan's game, and we won. I mean, I gotta say, I think that went more smoothly and better than I could have hoped for. Well, there you have it. The first adventure of the Waterdeep Detective Agency and how we got to be where we are now. Hello there, Jason, the producer, also Max, the Goblin Detective. As I was editing this half of the show, I made the decision to leave in some of the conversation behind the scenes that I would normally cut out just because I, I felt like it really added a little bit more texture and a little bit more context to what we were doing and the way that we were trying to figure out what was going on with us as investigators and us as a group and how we wanted to approach our stories and our life in Waterdeep. And, um, you know, that ends with Team Small heading off with the goods and the kid to put him on the boat and Team Tall going disguised to try to lead the bad guys away you know we could have we could have drawn that out and had a nice little combat but like Fletch said it was it was just it was great it was so much fun putting that together and I love the way that our chemistry kind of worked to make that happen and make it a fun story so I really hope that you enjoyed listening to episode zero uh, like I said last time, this was supposed to be just an hour long one shot with us finding an heirloom comb and, you know, getting started as investigators. And it turned into this really long, you know, two and a half hour session of us playing D&D. And it was a lot of fun. And I hope that that translates despite the fact that the recording was really bad and, you know, the, the sound quality isn't up to what we are used to now. And um I'm really excited for what we have coming up in season two. The story is going to be great. I'm really excited about the chemistry between our group. I know I've said that a lot, but I love the folks that I play with and I, 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 I can't get enough of it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to tabletop audio for always allowing us to use their sound effects and music. Uh, you can find them tabletopaudio.com. You can use any of their stuff if you have a tabletop game or a game night or anything like that and you want to add music or ambiance or sound effects. All of their stuff is available for free, tabletopaudio.com. And if you feel like chipping in, you can hit up their Patreon. Uh, Patreon subscribers get access to alternate files and uh, different versions of the music tracks and, and all that stuff. So check them out, tabletopaudio.com. 
Last week, I said that this week was going to be a short rest. It turned out to be part two of episode zero. Next week, we're going to do a short rest. We're going to kind of introduce season two with the cast. And then we are going to kick off season two on May 1st, 2019. So if you are listening to this in the future, then go check out season two. It's going to be great. I'm sure it is great. Yes, it is great. Uh, If you are listening to this when it comes out on the 17th, then... uh, Yeah, two more weeks. We're going to start season two. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. We've already recorded our first couple of episodes, and uh, it's just, mm, it's a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. And uh, thanks again for listening.